Hello, welcome, welcome, Gina. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I had a weird long day at work, but I'm here. I'm alive. I'm breathing. So I'm chilling like a villain, you know? <laughs> what do you do for work? Um, well, I can't say where I work, but um, I'm an operations manager in retail store. And um, pretty much when my boss is not around, I'm like, there's like two of us. So when I'm not around, there's another operations manager. But basically, I am an operations manager at this place. And yeah, I'm pretty much just run the store when my boss is not around. So that's pretty much what I do awesome. in retail. So um, trying to get ready for um, inventory next week. So that's... That's a lot. I know how that is in retail. Yeah. Uh, so hold on. Let me just say hello to everybody that joined. Welcome, guys. All right. We'll just get started here. And yeah. So tell me about yourself. Um, what is your inspirations behind your art? Well, thank you for having me. I was so excited when you asked me to come on your podcast. Um, so I'm a spoken word artist from Franklin, Tennessee. I'm also the creator of the Prodigal Poets um, Poetry Crew. Um, I started writing when I was about 14, 15 years old, started with a diary and that kind of evolved into poetry. And I kept my poetry silent, quiet for about 22 years until the last few years um, because I started working from home due to the pandemic. Um, you know, all the pandemic poets came out of the woodworks. Uh, yeah. so I started indulging more in my writing. Um, I started doing virtual events and Zooms. And then when everything started opening up, I started doing open mics and all the events um, in Nashville and surrounding cities. And since um, then, the past couple of years, I've been performing like nonstop consistently. Um, so I write about love and loss and strength and resilience. My main subjects are about overcoming death, beating stage three breast cancer, um, and also domestic violence. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, wow. That's a lot. Wow. Um, <laughs> especially domestic violence. Um, that is something I think I, I feel like a lot of people don't even talk about as often. So that's awesome that you write about that because um, I've had a few friends that were involved in that. And um, I had a friend of mine, unfortunately, years ago, this is like before I even got married or whatever, that unfortunately died from that kind of a situation. So I, I you know, uh, you know, one of those situations like, wow, so that, that's awesome. Um, so with that being said, is that, uh, if you don't mind me asking, is that something you've had experience yourself as far as is it, um, domestic violence? Or is that something that you had other people that you know experienced that, those things? Yes, most um, everything I write about is experiences that um, I went through. Um, I've had two abusive husbands and almost every, almost every relationship I was in was abusive except my husband that passed away. He was like my true love soulmate and best friend and he passed away in 2010 from sleep apnea. Oh, oh my God. You know what's so crazy you said that because recently my wife and I um, you know, we was having a conversation about sleep apnea. That's crazy you said that because um, she's, she's get, I think tomorrow she's getting blood work and I think she's getting a checkup done to see if yeah. she has it or not. So that's interesting to talk about that. Um, talk, I mean, talk, walk me through that sleep apnea thing. Um, do you like have like a broad understanding of what that is for those who don't know what that is? Yes. Um, so sleep apnea is when you stop breathing during your sleep. Um, my late husband had had the sleep study done and it was the worst case they had ever seen and he really needed to get the surgery done where they they cut into your part of your um, neck so it helps you to breathe better um, it leads to having fluid in the lungs and an enlarged heart um, so and he had the CPAP mask now they have masks that doesn't go over your face or they have like nostril um, Okay. devices but he had the CPAP mask and but he would take it off during the night and everything and just one day he had trouble waking up and he just never woke up oh my god i'm so sorry to hear that oh god i mean i, I again like i've never been through that but i know like um back in 2018 like as, as far as losing someone you love in that way um my my father passed away um 2018 due to uh, pancreatic cancer, and it was one of those situations that, uh, so the thing with pancreatic cancer, unfortunately, there's no, like, symptom for it, 
like they don't really it just happens when it's like too late type of situation and from my understanding of things it was one of those situations like my dad backslided her and he had kidney stones but then they saw this mass and trying to see what this was and then this is how everything just pretty much in a matter of three months is like that's it like he was gone and uh, the reason why i'm bringing that up is because the fact that the whole losing a spouse losing someone that you've been with for so long especially my mom I, I just can't even imagine what my mom was going through from that time you know and, and like, like that's why when you just told me that now i'm like that sucks you know and i'm sorry that you had to go through that um i i guess i guess my next question is now that you mentioned that um you know talk to me about that like relationship you have for the times he was around stuff like that so Lewis um, and me were best friends um, for seven years before we got married. We were married three years. And the first night I met him, um, I was actually on a date with another guy I worked with. And then <laughs> um, he, he, Lewis had come up there to the restaurant. It's actually down the street from where I live in Franklin, but it's a different restaurant now. Anyways, so the first time I met him, I was 17. He was 18. And he was like, we're going to get married. You're going to be my wife. And I was like, whatever i didn't even like him like that and we were just friends ever since and then i had i eventually married someone else and then i found out he was abusive and i divorced him and lewis was just like always there for me and i saw him in a different light that way that um so then we started dating and we got married that same year and we were married three years and it was amazing like i have all our love letters and it was like romeo and juliet type stuff like poems back and forth i actually read a couple poems that he had written me last year that i had found going through stuff and yeah it was that once in a lifetime type of love i don't i won't, won't ever encounter that again um maybe one day i'll fall in love again but right now i'm just enjoying my single life and living my dreams yeah, no, I hear you on that. Awesome. Um, you know, it's funny too because, like, with my wife, um, it's interesting because when I met her, I met her through a mutual friend, and then with um, that didn't work out, and then she had gotten engaged. So I, I met her again through like a mu another mutual friend, but it was one of those like, okay, we all okay, she was already engaged, and we was all hanging out and stuff like that. And then it's funny because I remember one night I told her, oh, be with me, screw these guys, screw him. You don't know what it is. And this is what happens when you're like semi-drug. You're not really thinking about stuff. But they say sometimes when you're on those things, <laughs> you know, the truth comes out. So it's so interesting. Maybe I'm going to say 2013, 2014, I had me and my wife had disconnected for a little bit. And then my cousin had um, pancreatitis and he was, at, you know, he went to the hospital so they transferred him like from hospital to hospital and it's funny the the hospital branch they um send him to, you know that he was sent to my wife happened to work at one of the other branches in that same facility of the hospital so i don't know what it was i said oh wait let me see if she's still i think she said she works over here so i called her and then we just reconnected right there and then and i'm gonna say maybe a year later, I'm gonna say, I say 2016. I think that's what that's when me and her started. Like, wow. I don't know, like interesting things started to happen, and then we just started dating, and then we got married 2018, and everything like that. So it's just like you said that the whole true love thing. It's like I don't know, it's a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? It's so it's a beautiful thing. Definitely. Oh. Say hi to my mom. Hi mom. SF Lodicita six. Hello mom. Hi mommy. Um, hi mommy. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Oh man, so tell all right. So tell me the inspirations behind your piece. I noticed like it, you write your pieces, but like I know you have certain designs, certain things that you do. Like there was one that you were, I think, in water or something like that. And then like like talk to me about those. Like what what's the inspiration behind the photography behind that? Yes. Okay. So that piece was too afraid. That's one of the newest ones I wrote. Um, and that one's kind of about dating because I'm actually very shy and nobody believes me because I kind of look like a dominatrix and I'm always on stage. But as far as dating, I'm super shy. <laughs> um, so my best friend's a photographer, Nashville Mama Bear Photography, and she's done a couple photo shoots for me. Um, 
first right after I got my um, surgery. Um, so I had a mastectomy on the right side okay. and went through radiation. Um, I have five more years of chemo. I do hormone treatments. Um, she did the photo shoot after I got, I ended up getting a tram flap surgery, which was like a tummy tuck and a boob job all in the same thing. Um, and so then I wanted to do a bikini shoot and she did that. And then I got scar cover-ups and that took over a year and I got like roses and leaves and I got a black widow and web and I covered up almost all my scarring and then I wanted to do another shoot. And so we had, we were just shooting different ideas off each other and I wanted to do something like dark and gothic-y. And so we did the, um, uh, the bathtub with the black uh, bath bomb and roses and wow. candles. Wow. And we had okay. a couple different things. She was... She was like, oh my goodness, when we went into the woods and I had, I made a pumpkin head, I had a pumpkin head in my bikini, <laughs> like, I'm not your friend no more, don't talk to me. <laughs> oh my. But I loved the, yeah, yeah. I loved all the pictures she did, she did, they're amazing. Awesome, awesome. So why don't you um, now, like, give these people um, uh, an example of a piece, like, if you want to read a piece for us, and then, you know, as, you know people who are listening could have an example, you know, just show exactly, like, uh, an example of how you write. Okay. Um, so, I can do my domestic violence piece, which oh. is one of my signature okay. pieces. Um, so, I have been with Williamson um, County, Bridges of Williamson County, uh, for domestic violence for the last four years. Um, that's therapy every week that I go to, and now I've met so many other women that went through the same thing and we're really close friends now. Um, so I wrote this piece. It's also in my book, Kaleidoscope. Hey. Um, so it's called There's Still Holes in the Walls. Okay. There's Still Holes in the Walls. One above my bed where you threw something at my head. There was one in the door that you punched so hard the frame cracked all the way down to the floor. It's still not like before. It will never be the same. All because you got caught in a lie. You wanted me to die. I would stay quiet and just pacify. I would crawl into a ball and make myself small. You tried to drown me. I still have bruises from it all. And the words you spewed sounded like they came straight from Satan. I do not fear the devil because I already dated him. You used to ball up your fist and yell and spit. Poison seeped through my skin. Acid permeated within my body. The pain pervaded and I was intensely hurting within. Years passed by and your tormenting grew worse. I forgave and I tried again and I wanted to see the best in you. How do you go on without trust? I felt like I was stuck in the mud with Stockholm Syndrome. Trauma bonded to you. When I opened my mouth, I couldn't shout. I dreamt of getting out. This is a poem that hurts to write it. I could barely get through it. And abuse is not a strong enough word to describe it. But I'm finally able to see through my tears. I conquered all my fears. You tried to clip my wings and put shackles on my feet. And I looked out the window and I hoped to flying again. But I starved for your red flags like they were a bouquet of bloody roses. Now my PTSD haunts me like a past life. I survived. There are still ashes floating around from where you tried to burn me. But like a phoenix, I rise. These scars and cracks are now filled with gold. I'm stronger now, and this is my story to be told. When I tried to eat, you would knock food out of my hand. Yet you were like a creature attracted to my light, like a parasite. You tried to suck out my flame to build your hollow emptiness you had inside. And it seems like you kept coming for me, just reincarnated yourself to look differently. I finally decided I had enough. This cycle finally has ended. I came out on the other side. I'm getting used to lower tides. You could not rob me of my sparkling existence. It still shines brightly. Although there are nightmares of you that terrorize me nightly. When I wake up, I remember I'm happy and free. Wings spread wide. I now stand tall. I got through it all. And I left that one hole in my wall to remember to never let my heart fall like that again. Oh my, wow. Wow. Oh, God. Hold up. Like, wow. Wow. I felt that. Every, like, wow. 
Wow. Wow. I, hold up. I got to gather my thoughts here because that was wow. I gotta take a sip of water. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is wow. Gotta give me a second because, again, like I'm the kind of person, like, when, you know, like I hear pieces, I read pieces, like I like to, like, feel the emotion, but I try to visualize the stuff going on. So, and I, I see you, like, I saw this thing, like this dark room, but you're yelling at this. And you don't see the guy's face, but like, like everything you're describing is happening. But you're like, it's, it's, oh my God, I'm trying to think what movie or show can I compare this to? But it's one of those, like, you, as you're describing, I'm seeing the thing unfold. And it was just like, oh my God. But I love how in the piece, you, like, you try pretty much saying, like, you try to take this power away from me, but I took it back. I didn't have to ask for it. I just stole that thing back because it belongs to me in the first place, not you. Like, I, whoo, wow. Like, I, it's just that, 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 that demand. Like, no, 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 I'm demanding you. Like, no, like, give me that back. Like, get out of here. This is mine. Like, go, go, go over there and go somewhere else with that bull crap. Like, get out. Like, yeah, that piece. It took me hundreds of times to go through it without crying, to memorize it. And every time I get on stage, I really feel it. And I go back to that time where all that, those things were happening to me. I mean, that really happened. I mean, I still have cracks in the door frame and holes in the wall. And I really did leave some there. So I can look that up and remember is. that I, what happened before and to never let my self get into that situation again amen i i i applaud you for that because again not everybody to be strong like that to really just you know no i'm a, this is part of my story here this is what i went through and the fact that you could be that bridge to help someone that went through the same situation as you and you know um for anyone that's listening you know sometimes you you know, we, we, even though they're just watching the show, but they don't know. We, we don't know, but maybe it's a possibility that they might know somebody that went through your story and be like, hey, yo, check, check this out. Check out this thing. You know, it's just, um, whew, I mean, again, I've never been through domestic violence. I've never experienced anything like that. But, um, I, again, I, I know friends that went through it. Uh, my wife knows some friends that were really going through abuse. Um, that is not an easy thing to get through, you know, that you could honestly say you are you survived and you are strong and you become so powerful in ways that I, I can't even imagine. And that, like I said, you reading that piece really like, whoa. Like, all right, now I'm just trying to hold my breath. I'm like, oh my God, just give me a second. I'm so sorry. It's just that really like, that means so, so much. There you. is a TV show on Netflix called The Maid, and they really described um, abuse, domestic violence, really good in that show, and shows her getting going to therapy and getting help. And right. I really, I put myself into therapy because I, I knew wow. I had low self esteem. I knew I was insecure, and I was like, "Why do I keep dating bad boys? I need to change my type. I need to work on myself." Right. So I have these standards. So I have these boundaries. So I don't get caught in the cycle. And they really helped me. Yeah. And that's yeah. what enabled me to get to where I am now. Wow. No, so much respect for you for that. Um, so, the, so the day that you finally decided, okay, I am done. Like, what was the pinnacle point of that that made you say, I'm out of here. I'm done. Was it one of those, like... Actually, no, no, let me rephrase my question. I'm sorry. The day that you decided to do that, the day I decided, okay, I said, I've had it. Walk me through that. And then what did you end up doing that day? I mean, whatever it was. I don't know, you know, again, I don't know what you went through, but um, in that way. But, like, what was the pinnacle situation that decided, okay, I'm done? So the turning point was I was dating this guy, and – uh, for a couple months and he was staying with me for a while and it was kind of like I was kidnapped in my own house um, and he was just a narcissist sociopath and it was 
the worst thing ever I had ever encountered. Um, and me and my mom ended up going to court to get uh, an order of protection. I had to change my number like four times. Um, he was aggravated stalking me. Um, he ended up serving almost two years for aggravated stalking me. Um, and I put my foot down and I was like, nobody's gonna treat me like this ever again. And that's when at the court, they gave me the card for um, the Bridges of Williamson County. And that's when I was like, I'm gonna call them. I'm gonna get help because I can't go through this ever again. Amen. Amen. Um, walk me through. Um, so once it finally happened, the, the, like, like, how, how did it feel to finally get that fresh of air, like that fresh breath of air, when finally this guy was just gone? Like, walk me through that feeling. Um. So it really, I, it took years. I've been in therapy four years now. And not only domestic violence, I also went to Al-Anon. Um, my dad was an alcoholic. And so I was trying to see why, why I'm attracted to the type of men I'm attracted to and why mm -hmm. I'm kind of like what I went through in my family. And um, you kind of want to be with someone who is similar to your family life in the past. Sometimes that happens. You know, a mm. lot of women, okay. men like that were like their fathers. Um, so I went to Al-Anon. I also went to Codependence Anonymous so I could work on um, not being so codependent. Um, so I just really worked on myself the past couple of years. And it takes a long time to just get out of the unhealthy cycle because, I mean, you were used to these, these type of abusive men would call and text you nonstop. When I'm saying like, he would call me like 200 times a day and leave messages and videos, like what? psychotic stuff. And then so, and then you're, and then oh. and you're worried they're gonna come back. So you like have to keep getting an order of protection every year. And I'm like, can you just not give it to me forever? Like I need it forever, but every year right, I have to go back right. and get another one. And then hopefully some of the girls ha gets, get one for years. Um, but usually it's every year and then you're still, it's just like something you're actively still always traumatized. You have, have trauma, you have PTSD and that creates trust issues. Um, you know, and I, I'm in a position where I like, don't want to, um, anyone at my house, I have to get to know them. Like I meet people in public. If I go on a date, I send my best friend the picture place, <laughs> you know, all of that information. Yeah because you're just really scared all the time. Wow. Um, but, and, and also therapy also helps me not only in my intimate relationships, my family, my friends, um, at work. I feel like um, I got cancer because I was being abused at work and um, at home. And I had multiple toxic relationships. And now um, that I've kind of cleaned the slate, I've cleared it all out and I'm like I can only have positive energy around me and no negative relationships at all and so now I oh. I'm only treated with respect and I only have positive people around me and that really helps me in everything I do wow that is that's amazing that really is and I'm happy that you were able to get through all that stuff um that is not easy journey to go through um, I guess my next question is, what would be your message to anyone that is going through it, like, right now, that feels that, damn, like, I, I, I don't know what else to do. What would be your message? What would be your advice? My advice is to please just reach, reach out to um, the domestic violence shelters in your area. Um, you can call a hotline. Um, reach out to them. They will help you with anything you need, whether it's food and shelter, bills, get an escape plan. I mean, they are there for you. And you feel like you have nothing and they can help you with everything. And you can relate to other um, women that have gone through the same thing. Like I've made lasting friendships and connections. Um, and people who haven't gone through it, they just don't, they just don't understand. Yeah. Wow. That is, wow. Amen. Amen to that. All right. So.
But like I said, I'm gonna shift the focus a little bit just so it's not, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to make you too uncomfortable either. Um, I know that's something that again, that's, that wasn't an easy thing to get through. Um, I guess, I guess for me, the reason why I guess it's like it, it hits me hard in a way, it's because I've never been through that, but because I had a friend of mine that died from that type of situation for your marriage, and it was one of those. And it, I, I guess the reason why it hurts me even more is because of the fact that. Um, for me, like before, like all this even happened, leading to them getting married, you know, like I had a little falling out with her, right. and it's one of those things. Like I, this is around the MySpace days. This is when MySpace <laughs> was like. Yeah. This is how long ago this was. I was in college, and like she had on the low hit me up. Like she was giving me like like a little brief situation was going on and we were supposed to meet up to make amends and I said, okay, I'm going to see what I can do. Um, I didn't really have much because I was living with my parents. I was willing to get myself in trouble if I had to sneak her into my house just so she could like have a place to stay and my father, you know, being strict Puerto Rican and all, I mean, uh, I'm like, whatever, but like whatever gets her out of here mm -hmm. and I just never had the chance to hear her back because by the time I went to respond back, it was just like, you know, then I found out from another friend that you know she ended up passing away so the story is she fell down the stairs like that's what the whole thing is and i'm just like wow. so that, that that's why it hurts more and i guess hearing it from your perspective puts that in perspective in a way that it's just like that's what it is that is like i said the fact that you can say yeah i'm a survivor of that and to me that is powerful that's inspiring that's powerful that is like I, I could never understand any of that ever because it's one thing let's say you have a verbally abusive situation but this is a whole nother you know so again so much respect to you for that um okay so you like to read me another piece of yours and then we can talk about that as well oh okay <laughs> wow yeah yeah, I'm just, well, it's just, wow. Okay, I wasn't expecting to get a little bit like, oh my God. But like, like it's like I always tell everybody, no matter how uncomfortable, how raw the stories are, the purpose of this podcast is to tell stories. We all have stories to tell and not everybody has the platform and I want to be one of those. I don't want to be the only person. I always say that I want to be the beginning person to set, like I want to I wanna be part of the person that builds the bridge for other people to pretty much do the same. And to provide so we can build this bridge that I feel like it's never been built for so long, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, we're not celebrities, we're not, and that, you know, we're not famous, and that's fine. It's not about that. It's about telling stories. And I know, like, the podcasting game seems to be like the place to go. So that's why I'm pushing a lot more hard now than ever because we all have stories to tell, and there's going to be people who are going to be listening to this even on the other platforms and they're going to be like, wow, I need to hear this. And this is that that's really my end goal is for to, um, just to put the stories out there. You know, it's on Pandora, it's on uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, Audible, um, Stitcher. It's, I, I just started doing YouTube now. Um, it's kind of, I'm still trying to understand the YouTube thing side of stuff, <laughs> but the fact is the more I can get it out there, uh, again, everybody has a story to tell that, you know, let's, be honest, we don't really have an opportunity to tell stories, and this is why I do what I do. You no, know, not because, you know, just because, you know, it's because I, I, I love this. You know, um, I never had a chance to tell my story to anyone, and now I have the opportunity to do that and to relate and to open a whole grab scheme of things. And with that being said, you have mentioned earlier about 2020. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because this is like the third or fourth time I'm talking about this on the show, on the show podcast, when it lives and stuff. Um, yeah, 2020 was very interesting year. I think the, what it was, the lockdown. I think the lockdown for us poets brought a lot of us together because we were doing yeah. these lives. Mm -hmm. And it, it brought a whole dynamic of something that I don't think I've ever seen before anywhere else at all. Um, my co one of my co-hosts, uh, Leon, he called it a renaissance. That's what he calls it. And it, it, everything was booming. Um, I think there was a point where I think Instagram, like, I don't want to say it broke. It was kind of, <laughs> it kind of started acting weird a little bit. Yeah. And, and, um, one thing I realized 
think once they changed the algorithm, that's when everything I think went a little bit like haywire. Because now it's like to try to figure out things just to get get to where we're at today. It's one of those. Yeah, I think me and a lot. Of, I think we all agree we have to break the algorithm somehow. <laughs> but um, twenty twenty was a pretty interesting year. Um. All right, so before you read your next piece, um, describe to me for you how 2020 felt like for you. Um, so I think 2020 is when I started working from home. I had previously worked at an office, which was close to me. It was like seven minutes away. So I could come okay. home on lunch break and eat and let my dogs out and all that. However, a lot of people were excited to go home because they had boyfriends or husbands or kids. And I lived by myself with my dogs. So, and I'm extroverted and outgoing. And so I was always out and never at home. And now I'm stuck at home by myself all the time. So I was like, like, I hated it at first. And that's why I was scrambling to, for connections with people. So then I started doing the Instagram lives and the virtual and Zoom events um, with my poetry. Um, But then I was, since I was at home a lot, I started getting my book together and I always wanted to write a poetry book. And I got all my poetry together and I realized I had enough for a book already. And so I went ahead and just published my first book, baby. And it was like the best day of my life. It was wonderful. Awesome. Do you have, do you have the actual book on you? Just show Cheryl and what the book is. Okay. So kaleidoscope. So that's my artwork. Uh, I'm also, um, I do on campus. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you. Wow. It's actually a um, huge painting that's over here. I can show you real quick. I can flip this camera around so you can see it. Let me check this out. That's so cool. Wow. The cover of my book. Nice. That is awesome. It was actually a drawing from my um, late father-in-law which was my late husband's dad he sketched this out before he passed away but never painted it so i actually added him right there and then i painted it and i decided to have that as the cover of my book which um i have another book out poets united that's um an anthology with 51 around the world and that one has um my art as well so all my covers are my artwork um, I nice. I'm gonna have to hit you up if I need a cover. I mean, I mean, I want to do a book. I just, um, I gotta really put some things together. But uh, I, I'm gonna hit you up for cover work. Now I know. I, I like, I like this networking thing. This is so cool. I'll give you money or whatever the case is. I don't care. Um, I'm gonna hit you up for that. That's awesome. <laughs> I have a lot of paintings for sale. I had um, a wall previously in Colombia in December. Nice. That was because I hadn't had an art wall in about 10 years. Um, I have, I've okay. had a few different walls at, um, at different restaurants around here. Okay. Wait, talk to me a little bit. Okay, so yeah, so talk to me about, talk to me more about the artwork then. Like, what was your first, um, do you have a picture of, do you have your actual first painting you ever did? Like, actually, wait, let me rephrase that. So talk to me about your first painting and how you felt after it was accomplished. Like, what was the feeling? And then tell me about it. Okay, I have one of my first paintings I can show you. <laughs> Hold on, it's on this wall over here. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Let's turn on the light. Okay, so this was one of my first pieces. Um, this was actually a National Geographic photo, an actual photo, which is sad because it's of a zebra, and in its eyes you can see there's three hunters and a rifle. They had just shot this zebra. And so I painted this in high school, um, and it's um, so it's impressionist acrylic on canvas. That's the medium I really love to use. Um, however, I do do other types of um, art. I've done um, watercolor, oil. I went to um, New York and I studied with T.E. Brittenbach. He's a famous oil Ooh, painter. Okay. Um, but I just love acrylic. So I actually had. Um, went on a date to a wine and design place, like a sip and, sip and paint place, um, and the date didn't go well. However, I did get my dream job, which was to teach painting. So I'm like more wow. cross, but more exciting. 
Awesome. So All right. Classes, um, for a couple years um, until they kind of went virtual and private. Um, but I actually just applied for another one. There's another studio opening up in my city. So I just love nice. painting too. That is amazing. I mean, I, I, I suck at drawing. I don't know. I mean, it was funny. I always wanted to get into that, um, the whole painting thing. So um, walk me through, like, as far as, like, what is the process of painting like? Because everybody thinks it's just, okay, take this, take that, just start doing stuff. Like, what's the process? What does your mind go through when you're about to paint your piece? Um, so sometimes I do have some, like, a picture or a photo, um, some inspiration um, to look at and go by. Um, other times I do do some abstract work. Um, so it kind of just depends on what I'm feeling. Um, I have so many projects that I'm like not even done with, but you can, so like poetry and art, I feel like it's like in the eye or ear of the beholder, you know, a lot of people are like, I can't paint, but everybody can paint. I mean, I've right. taught people who've never painted before to paint. Um, and you may not think it looks good, but someone else might love it, you know, right. and you have to come to a stopping point. Cause I, I mean, I have canvases I've still been painting on for years and years, and you can just keep painting and keep tweaking it. But it's like with your poetry, you can keep making it longer or keep changing stuff around, but you got to stop somewhere. Just stop, put it up on a wall, stop, post it on social media, or go read it at an open mic. You just got to give it out to the world sometime. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. That is amazing. So I know um, earlier you talked about your book because that's what we talk about. Also the, the artwork and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So with that being said, um, so why don't you give uh, a preview of, of a piece that you wrote in your book? Okay. So um, another piece that I will read to you. Hold on. Let me grab my book. I'm going to pick one. So there's one called Death Day, and I'm going to read you this piece. And this um, is kind of similar to Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Okay. Um, and this one's actually going to be um, published in another book, which is going to be an Edgar Allan Poe anthology, which I'm Ooh. super excited about. So that's coming. That's my next anthology book I have coming out. Nice. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, ah, broken, writing, a way of bleeding, damaged, never healing. I know how Poe felt when he lost his sweet Lenore, quote the raven, nevermore. An anthem for the kingliest dead that ever died, so young, sorrow for the lost Lou, still the beating of my heart, darkness there, and nothing more. My soul grew stronger, in fact, I was napping until you came so gently you came rapping tapping at my chamber door all my soul within me burning death this mystery i had to explore deep into that darkness peering long i stood there wondering fearing doubting dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before this pain i carry words that could not never be expressed deeper than this hole that cancer put in my chest sparkles of light and laughter sometimes drown out the melancholy chapters this world left my home now horror haunted memories flow down my cheek let me have this day to weep for my love and trust you did keep you so brave took it to your grave you live in my heart there you stay and we never part and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating in the floor shall be lifted nevermore i fear i'll fall into madness consumed at times by sadness but it is better to have loved and lost than to have never have loved at all how do i cheat death but keep bleeding how am i dead but still breathing am i attracted to the darkness because i am so light sometimes sadness now comes when i'm nearly napping suddenly there comes the tapping the 27th not just a number to me or your mother you are my soulmate true love forevermore words written on your death day love widow carillo that's awesome. I love that. That is awesome. Wow. Wow. You know, it's too, I love, again, like, 
you have a way with words that I'm just like every time I like I hear someone like yourself read a piece or someone else, or someone else reads a piece. It's to me, it's like I wish I could write like that. I can't write that, but alive. I mean, I love I love that. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Um, poetry really helped me, kind of when I was going through my grieving process. Um, my dad passed away in two thousand nine. Um, and three months later, my husband passed away. So that was wow. a really rough time um, to go through that. And during that time, I wrote a lot of poetry. And in this book, there are a lot of pieces about um, what I went through during that time and about grief and the struggles and just overcoming it. Wow. No, I, I definitely relate to you in that way. Um, and 2018 was a I think 2018 for me was a weird year because um, February, my uncle passed away. Um, I didn't really know him like that, but um, I knew of him. I met him maybe once or twice, so it didn't really affect me that well. But around that same time, my father was already sick with cancer. And so we, so my father, we never told my dad that, you know, his brother passed away kind of thing. And then March 8th, my father passes away, and then August 20th, I believe it was, no, I think it was August 18th, only because that same night I wrote a piece um, on that same night. I was just, had so much on my mind, I just started typing. I think it was August 18th, that's when, um, no, 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 August 18th was the funeral, but I think a couple, I think a couple of weeks prior to that, he had passed away from a blood clot, basically, in the hospital bed, and um, it was like back-to-back -back of dying, you know, and that time, it was just weird. It was just a weird time, 2018, because around that time, that's when I started really, you know, I want to start writing poetry. Like, you know, start, I haven't wrote poetry in a while. I feel like ever since my father passed away, um, I feel like him passing away was my inspiration to start writing again, because he always wrote poetry too, but like, it was always spanish but he never posted anything mm -hmm. you know because he didn't know about social media but I, I think i mean i don't know how my mom feels about this but i think my main goal one day i want to take his pieces and i want to publish them mm -hmm. like have kind of leave something yeah. behind kind of thing for sure but um there's something about that when he passed away it's like some it's like that part of him went on to me kind of thing and mm -hmm. things just started to come out yeah, I believe when you're in um, going through something, I mean, it just comes out. Some people are like, how do you write so much or you're prolific? And I'm like, I can't stop it. Like sometimes I, I wake up in the, at three in the morning and I write a new piece, you know, or a lot of um, other poets, they will tag me in picture prompts or word challenges, you know, and that'll get stuck in my head. So I have to write uh -huh. something about it. But then sometimes I just um, go through either death or a breakup or something. And then I have to write about it to get my feelings out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely hear you on that. And it, it, it's interesting too, because like, it, it's not about the situation. I think for me, it's more like, it's interesting how a situation starts a certain way, but then when you start writing a piece, it be, it's becomes like this whole thing. And then you start having things things and thoughts that sometimes have nothing to do with that thing but that's the situation that ignited all these thoughts yes and it's you look back at it and perform it you're like i wrote that that's pretty good yes, yes. <laughs> it is like it feels like this i um i was doing an interview a while back with another poet named robert charbonneau he said something very interesting he said how even though it, it feels like it's from outside, but it's not from outside. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's from us, but it feels like from it's from outside. I'm like, wait, did I really write this? But one thing I realized, too, is um, that's where I was. Like, that's where you were. That's what the mindset was when you wrote that piece. You know, because you, it's one of those, I, 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 I don't have all my pieces, pieces dated. Some of them are, some of them weren't. Well, I keep talking English. <laughs> um, some of them weren't. But it was just like, I look back, and I have an idea when I wrote these pieces on my way, but this is where I was. This is how I used to think at that time. And then I look back, like, wait, but I don't think like that anymore. But I love the fact that, you know, when we write stuff down, it's like, you can look back and we're like, wow, 
Like, I've really come a long way. I feel like to me, uh, because um, I also struggle with self-esteem issues myself too. Um, I went through a lot of verbal abuse growing up, unfortunately. And it wasn't the kind of like, it was intentional. It was one of those, you know, when you grow up in a Hispanic household, unfortunately, that's just it's what it is. And um, I feel like even when I feel down, I do look at my pieces sometimes. I'm like, you know what, but I've come a long way because I have mm-hmm. books, and papers, and napkins that have <laughs> thoughts. And I look back and I'm like, damn, but this, I've come such a long way because I thought I was always going to live with my parents. I was going to be this, pretty much live with my parents, have a broke job or whatever job I can get, and that I was never going to get married, and that was the end of it. And, you know, by the grace of God, I was, I don't know, like, Things just worked out that way. But I realized what I wanted back that I have now, I guess you can say. But I feel like this is God's way of telling me I wasn't ready then. I had to go through a process in order for me to get to where I'm at today. I think in that same way, I believe that I also worked out for you in your life as well. I, you know, there were certain things that you had to go through, unfortunately, just to tell your story. But to have perspectives that maybe like maybe at that at those times it was like oh, I suck going through that but then you look back now that oh so that's the perspective that's what it is okay and it helped you understand better that when you tell your story it's like it's more it's relatable if that makes sense right I'm like if I didn't go through all this that I went through what would I write about <laughs> right right but you know what i mean to me like i always tell my wife this too i'm like i think it's, it's like it kind of sucks that you have to go through a lot of things just for us to learn our lessons you know and it sucks though because it's like you know like i just want to be happy or i just want to be at peace i just want to have peace of mind to know that okay everything's gonna be okay and it's like it sucks when like all you want is peace and it's always things that disrupt the peace that's true yeah I can understand that, but I, I feel like I created my peace by having my boundaries now and having these filters, you know, and now that I've gone through therapy, I spot these red flags and I can analyze people We're super fast. <laughs> right. And I'll be like, no, just, yeah. bad vibes go over there. Right. You know, it's funny. I'm still like little by little, I'm still learning that myself too. Um, like I went to therapy when I was young, like teenager, like I went to psychiatric therapy and all that stuff. And I was on medication. So it, to me, therapy, unfortunately was like a bad experience, but even with all that, um, I, I, I guess I realized now, you know, the, the times are different now, obviously. And, um, I think that's cool. That's awesome. That poetry, help i mean poetry. um therapy worked out for you in that way and it, i guess it inspires me because there are things i feel like i could definitely use help with i feel like yeah, damn, should i go to therapy should i not but damn, i'm a little embarrassed and i think like just just you telling that telling your story and being so open about your therapy i think that is good and for me too it's comforting to know that okay maybe it's not so bad after all maybe this is confirmation that i should do it i should take that step it is hard i mean especially for us men we're let's be honest we're very prideful beings Especially Hispanic men, we just don't want to admit that we're vulnerable, and it's hard because you know, I've been grow, I've grown up. Oh, you're a man, big boys don't cry. You know that's how it is sometimes. And no, therapy is so healthy. I advise everybody to get some therapy. So what? So what advice can you give someone that's debating? Like say for myself, like in my case, it's still like kind of a struggle. So like, what advice can you give me, or what advice can you give anyone that's not sure, or that's contemplating therapy? Like, what advice can you give? Just try it. Try it out. Try it out for a couple of weeks, and take the steps. And I mean, they you can work on self love and self care. Like, it's not going to hurt you. It's healthy and it helps you. Um, so I would say try it out and just watch. You can just watch how your life will change if you actually implement what you learn in therapy, how the life the life around you changes, how you um are treated with respect. I mean, just in I mean in my work life, I mean I I changed because I could recognize when I was um being talked down to or being bullied or degraded or um you know, emotionally abused, and I and I'm now treated with respect. And even my customers know, like, if they're going to talk to me, they're going to talk to me with respect. 
Um, because if they don't, um, I'm going to, I'm not going to just pacify anymore and I'm not going to stay quiet and I'm going to use my voice and say, I'm not going to be disrespected and how you treated me was not right. And so now all my interactions around me are wonderful. I have no drama. Awesome. I have no stress because I implemented everything I learned. Amen. I know this is saying, uh, oh, my cousin be saying something that no stress, no mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, again, that is very, that, that's amazing that you've gone through all this stuff and you could like, wow, I'm, I'm alive to talk about it. That, that's amazing. Um, so like, um, reading, if you don't mind, like you could uh, read another piece from, you know, however you want to read about your book or whatever. I want you to give us another piece and we go talk about that piece as well. Okay. So um, this next piece I'll do is called Disturbed. Um, this piece is about Frankenstein. Okay. Um, it's also how I relate to him and what I went through beating stage three breast cancer. Um, and a lot of my pieces do have music with them. So if you want to okay. see those, I have videos on Facebook and Instagram. I work with musicians from around the world and nice. they create pieces to go with my poetry um, this particular piece, um, it goes good with the sound of silence, um, Simon and Garfunkel, that song. Okay, okay. Okay, so this is called Disturbed. Silent raindrops fell like tears outside the castle. I'm aching for you. Whisper away my anxieties. Imagine hearing you in my head. Darkness consumes fire burning foggy fumes. Thoughts of the... Thoughts of a better life cracking through my skin. Experiences, I want to have more. They're talking about me, town people knocking at the door, not understanding my needs aren't that demanding. Looking on to broader horizons. People try to kill what they do not know. Also try to bring back alive something that had already had died. Don't create me, make me feel so real. Then turn your scared head. I'm undaunted. I wasn't the one that wanted to be brought back haunted. Not like this. Now they wonder about how I act. This isn't what I thought. Can't blame me for how I react. Your experiment was unsuccessfully simulated. Still some unconscious flesh not stimulated. This operation not quite like the illustration raised from the dead. There are crevices in my soul that can't be sealed with a kiss. Mended memories of my past remain. This new life is just not right. What others experience is just not the same. Raised up with a tragic lightning, my appearance now very frightening. Who could love such sorrow creatures with bloody, messy features just painfully stitched together? Is there someone out there like me? Finding them would calm my fears. Wishing with these franken tears, just hoping and dreaming. Sometimes I'm concerned, will I ever really learn? I'm just a zombie walking, limping to the side, still talking about this strange new world inside, internally perturbed, unsettled, and just disturbed. Wow. Wow. And I Actually, I, I actually remember, because the minute you said certain, does it all, okay, I, I heard this piece. You were doing an open mic with this piece. I remember posting it, too, so I saw my, oh, I remember this one. Wow, that's, wow. You know, it's too, because as you're, you know, reciting that piece, I actually thought about my dad, uh, only because my father, I think after, like, because he was, all right, so here's the thing. My father died three months after I got married. Got married in January. He died in March, and exactly what you're describing, it, it put, put me in that perspective with my dad. Where, because you know, after a while, he couldn't move anymore, and he was just in this chair. Like uh, it was one of those um reclining chairs and stuff like that. And like it really put me like the way you described everything. I, I see why you compared it to Frankenstein and everything. I can see why you did that because that was uh. Just the whole, oh man, how do I explain this? Because wow, you know, there's a lot of thoughts running through my mind right now about your piece. And, um, well, I just really, I felt like a science experiment. Um, yeah. I had is a tram flap surgery, which is very innovative, very new. And what they did, they cut out my belly, which was like the tummy tuck, like a 29 inch scar from hip to hip. They cut it out and they recreated my chest. And I had scars 
all over like Frankenstein. And this was after I had just gone with a hole in my chest for a year and a half. I couldn't get reconstruction surgery. So for a year and a half, I had a hole in my chest. So I'm, I feel like a science experiment, what I went through. And it was just like, just crazy um, to go through that. And then I just, after that, there's more surgeries I could have had if I wanted to, and I just didn't want to go through more surgery and decided to get tattoos instead. Um, And to be finally comfortable with my new body and all of that. Um, it's just the whole process to go through. And then I almost, I mean, I almost died with stage three breast cancer. Um, so I felt like I just kind of reborn as a different person. I'm a completely different person. I look at life differently, kind of have a seize the day attitude about everything, you know? And, well, and no, that's, what's wow. heartwarming is after I do a piece like this, people come up to me and be like, I just went through beating cancer as well. You know, I understand this and relate to it. Wow. Wow. Woo. Damn. You know, it's, it's like I said, like, even with my, like I said, even with my dad, I could just imagine what he was probably going through. I mean, I, I could never understand it, but based on what you said, it pretty much is like, I feel like that's exactly what it was he was going through. Like, because, you know, no one really knows un- unless you're the person going through it, like, what's going through your mind? Because especially if you're just sitting in that one thing, you can't really move or people have to help you move to use the bathroom, you know, whatever it is. And it just, I can't even imagine what, you know, my, my dad, like, thought-wise he was going through. Because it was a certain point, he couldn't really talk anymore. And it was like, he had to, like, just to get up, he lost his breath. Like, oh, like, 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 it, it was just crazy. And it's just, oh, man. You know, like, and I had a, uh, had someone from church that, yeah, that I used to go to. He actually uh, went through leukemia, and he was taught, he I think he gave a little bit of his testimony, but he was talking about how the stuff he had to go through. Like, they put him in this room, and he couldn't touch anyone or whatever the case is, and there's this whole thing. It's like, literally, you kind of have to be reborn again kind of thing. Like, everything, I guess, like, I don't know how to explain it, but I guess whatever stuff he had I, I don't know how the body works but whatever he had is like mm-hmm. you had to be careful okay you have to get re immune again I, I don't know if i'm saying this correctly but it's one of those like when i hear stories like that to me that's like wow like like, like i should you know does life get stressful yes it does but it's one of those things like when i hear that i should look back, back in my life and say yeah you know yeah maybe i'm going through a tough time but it could be a lot worse that's why I should be telling myself. This is what we should be telling ourselves. Like, because I feel like the society now complains a lot, but it's like, how do you think the person that's going through that feels, kind of thing? And I think this is stuff that we have to think about. That you know, we didn't take under consideration because realistically, you know, I feel like like a lot of us in life is very, you know, they're very ungrateful sometimes. Because I'm like, I, I one thing I've learned too, like tomorrow's not promised. I can go to sleep tonight. I am just might not wake up, and that is like again, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. It is scary. Um, what gave me peace of mind before I went through the first surgery? Um, I got my estate in order. I did my will. Um, I actually wrote my own obituary before my last surgery. I think. Um. So everything's done. So that gives me peace of mind. If something happens, you know, my mom doesn't have to deal with it. My friends don't have to deal with it. Everything's right. already done. So now I can go just live my crazy high-risk life and do whatever I want. <laughs> hey, and not worry good. about that's all good. that. Like, my obituary is done. Um, y'all have a great poetry show at my funeral. <laughs> oh, oh, man. It was when it took, I always, t- I, I think I was talking to my brother about this like, after my dad passed away, I was like, you know, like, when I want, when I die, because I know we're all going to die one day, but uh, I don't want my funeral to be depressing. Like, I understand, you know, you go to a funeral automatically, you know, you start crying, it's mourning and stuff like that, but I want it to be a joyful experience. Like, my dad, when his, um, when we had his funeral, uh, because he had accepted Christ in his life, like, you know, during his last days and stuff like that, 
But it was actually a, a joyful funeral because we got to talk about his life. They did like a little service. Uh, people got to, uh, certain people that wrote poetry actually got a chance to go and, you know, say a few words and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know, even though I'm sad that he's gone, but it's like, but this, this was an actually joyful service they did. I was like, wow, like, okay, I, I barely cried, but not because I didn't care or anything. It was one of those, like, wow, this was actually peace of mind. I think I look at it as, you know what, he's in a better place. He's not suffering anymore. I look at it as, you know what, he gets to eat at the Lord's table, and you know what, he's chilling right now. He's chilling, and it's like, you know what, that should give me peace of mind, too. Like, you know what, then and then we're going to be chilling one day. We'll be flying around. Doing whatever they do in heaven or whatever, it's, you know, whatever it is, and it's just um, it's just good to know that you know when you meet someone else that relates in that way that to tell you the story that you just told us, and it's like that that gives that, that gives a lot of people hope, you know. And I think again, like I have so much respect for you for telling me your story, and uh, I, I and also thank you for being on this podcast, and thank you for trusting me enough, you know, to tell to tell the story so we can you know share it you know um, i have so much respect for you um you know it's already been an hour you know we um do this for you know go to blah. okay i can't talk <laughs> um i can't, okay see now my words are like okay wait because it's one of those like i have so much to say and i'm trying to gather my thoughts so i don't mess up like, oh. <laughs> um okay Whew, okay Usa, I'm sorry, because this is very exciting. Because I love, you know, I, I love stories. That's what it is. I love conversations like this. I love stories. I love the fact that we can just get together. And it's, it's like I say in all my um, lives and episodes and stuff like that. I love the fact that this community, it, it's not always catfish, if that makes sense. You know, we get this fear of social media and stuff like that. And the fact that we could... There is a community that exists that people just want to have a conversation. People want to do this, share their pieces, and actually just support one another in that aspect. And I think that is such an it's such a beautiful thing. Thank so, you um, so much for having me on here. No, um, absolutely. You can ask any of the prodigal poets. They would love to be on here. They all have their own stories. Um, I created the Prodigal Poets over a year ago, and these are just writers and performers and authors that I met um, doing what I love to do. And um, I hadn't been invited to a crew, but there was a couple crews in Nashville, and I was like, let me just create my own, and we're growing. We have like 25 members now, and we have nice. five shows monthly, and all our shows are free open mics. Um, we have like three or four more in the works going on. Okay. Um, I have a feature next week, next Tuesday at the spot in Gallatin. Um, Matt Awesome's hosting that one. He has a show um, every Saturday at Twin Kegs 2 um, from 6 to 7. Um, Sarah Mingus had her show last night um, at Madtown Coffee. That one's the second Tuesday. We have Silence okay. Wordsmith the second Saturday um, and the second Sunday with Paige. So we have a lot going on. So y'all follow me at Prodigal Poets or Black Widow Poet on Instagram and Facebook. Nice. Nice. So listen, do me a favor. I guess after we're done here, um, like send me those, you know, everything you just said. So then that way I can have a note of it. And then I, like when I do the description for the podcast and everything, like, I could add it there as well. And, um, yeah, if anyone, um, what is it called? Product, product, poets, that's what it's called. Poets. Yes. Okay. Think, um, if you want to just let me know if you, whenever you want to do a podcast and you need someone, cause any of them yes. probably love to be on your podcast. Yes. Hey, listen, bring them all in. Again, like, I'm, it's like I was telling my partners too. Um, I'm really pushing this now more than ever. More than ever, I'm pushing this now. Um, I feel like I procrastinated enough already. Uh, we just did a rebranding. That's why it's called Unraveled Influence now. Uh, before, it was known as Jandam Sessions Live, but they all agreed. Yeah, it sounds more like a music thing. Uh, that's not <laughs> what we do. <laughs> Even though there's a whole story behind as to um, why it was called that, but I said, you know what? Let's just change the name and Unraveled Influence makes sense because we have so much influence to unravel and so much stories to tell that it's like it's let's let's just let's bring it in you know um but yeah like i said for anyone that's listening to the product in the prodigal poets or whoever you know you got a story to tell just hit me up 
Um, in your case, let me know. Um, talk to me. I'll, when we get off here, I'll, I'll tell you. We'll talk more. Um, definitely bring the people in. I'll definitely like to interview as much people as possible. And let's just, you know, let's, let's build that bridge. Um, so, Gina, thank you so much for being um, a part of this experience with me. Thank you so much for, you know, again, trusting me enough to, you know, go on here and talk about your life the way you did. Um, I have so much respect for you for that. You are strong. You are powerful. You, um, Your wings will never be clipped again, ever Thank again. You. I have to say that right now. And, again, you are beautiful. And, and I, I pray and hope that, you know, you continue doing your thing. And for anyone that listens to this, just know you're not alone. Um, you have a support system here and, you know, like I said, let's, let's build some bridges, you know? So thank you so much for joining me and I will talk to you soon. Um, guys, thank you for being a part of this podcast, um, live and, um, yeah, well, until next time, um, oh, okay. So for those who are not aware, tomorrow I do have another live with, um, author Jay Wilhelm. Um, definitely um, join us for that as well. And yeah, just take it from there. So, Gina, thank you so much. Thank you. Much love. Bye. 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 Bye.